Hey everybody, I'm Steel, and this is the first episode of Meantime. My first guest is Rax King, poet, essayist, food writer, and one of the hosts of the Low Culture Boil podcast. First, a couple things. I suspect that by nature, these conversations will from time to time touch on subjects that might be difficult or triggering for some people. I'll try to put appropriate content warnings in the episode descriptions, but be conscious of your own needs as you listen. In that same vein, I am neither expert, nor teacher, nor priest, which you and I should both keep in mind. This project's intended to be a process of learning together. Last thing, I had a wonderful conversation with Nikki Walshlaker over Twitter. I typed it up real nice. You can read it right now by subscribing either at patreon.com slash meantime or patreon.com slash Nikki Walshlaker. But it will also be free for everyone because I'm a fucking communist. Here's Rex King. Hello. Hey. Hi. How's it going? I'm good. How are you? I am good. Welcome, I guess, to the first episode of Meantime. Oh my god, I'm so honored that I'm the very first person who gets to set the precedent for all the other people. For all future all future Meantime conversations will be judged by this. I uh, I actually did already have a I had a DM conversation with Nikki Walshlager, which was which was cool too, but this will be the first uh, episode of the podcast, and then people will be able to look at that uh, conversation I had with Nikki. Um, I'll publish that somewhere as well in the future. But but yes, you and Nikki will be the first the first two. Oh my God, Nikki's so great too! What a good combination. You've got the Virgos. <laughs> I did not know either of your signs, which maybe I sh- maybe hosting a spirituality podcast, I should be uh, <laughs> be looking into that information ahead of time. Uh, <laughs> but I, uh, yeah, so I, I don't know where these conversations are going to go necessarily. I'm kind of open to, to seeing what direction this takes. Um, but I, th- oh, well, first I, I forgot, to, I wanted to bring up that you, you launched your own podcast, uh, yesterday. I did. Oh my God. It's been so stressful. <laughs> it's like, it's like a good stressful. It's nice to have a, a new project to occupy all my time and energy but it's also occupying all my time and energy (laughs) right (laughs) yes well i appreciate you making time for this um what is your podcast about sure yeah my podcast uh which is one day old as of the (laughs) time that we're recording this uh it's called low culture boil and uh me and my friend courtney we decided to get together once a week to talk about different elements of quote-unquote trash culture that we are especially attached to and that are near and dear to our hearts. So, like, today's episode is about... Not today's, yesterday's. uh, (laughs) Yesterday's episode is about uh, the Cheesecake Factory and, like, mid-tier chain restaurants in general and how you you never really see them around that much anymore and they're not that popular anymore. And, uh, yeah, it's been really fun, and we're looking forward to seeing where it goes. And that's the end of my pitch. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, I haven't had a chance to listen to the first episode yet, but I'm, I'm excited to, to listen. Um, I thought, like, when, when I launched this podcast idea, um, which I, I had this idea very recently, and oh. uh, just kind of put together the, the social media and, and launched it really, really quickly. So I haven't even really... Uh, 
fully fleshed out what the shape of it is going to be, I guess. But I've had a lot of people, even without knowing exactly what it's going to be, express a lot of excitement about it and even talk about how they feel like it's important for for those of us on the revolutionary left to be having these types of conversations. And when I invited you to come on, you seemed excited about it as well. I thought maybe we could start just talking about why we feel like these conversations are are important or even if not important, why they're worth having for those of us who are on the left, which is, you know, often a little bit averse maybe to spiritual things. Yeah, that's that's what I was thinking too. And that's part of why I was so excited just about the project in general is that you do see, and, and I make an effort not to conflate like the shit that happens on Twitter with, you know, actual leftist practice <laughs> and theory, because of course, in reality, there's often not that much of a relationship between the two. Right. But even even accounting for that, like a lot of leftists really do seem to think of spirituality and religion as a distraction and atavistic and uh and that there's really not much place for them in like a revolutionary future. And I think I can see where that attitude comes from. I mean to say nothing mm-hmm. of the of the theory that espouses it like the actual leftist thinkers who have done so much talking about you know that exact concept right but even all that notwithstanding i i think it's really worth it for us to try and interrogate that impulse to shun spirituality you know it's been Mm -hmm. what 200 years since marx and engels were writing and it's been it's just not the same social climate now is when so many of these leftist thinkers were doing their work. And I, I don't have any answers to this question, but like, (laughs) is it worthwhile for us as leftists to revisit the issue of the opiate of the masses and try and see what very real role spirituality and religion play in people's lives that can't be replaced by something else? Yeah. And you uh, you bring up that Marx quote, which I'm sure is going to get, I, I'm surprised that it hasn't been thrown at me on Twitter yet about <laughs> the, the opiate of the masses. And, uh, and, but I think, you know, and if you read that Marx quote in its full context, he's not really, he's not using it in the way that uh, annoying atheists <laughs> like <laughs> use to weaponize it to, to like be condescending. He's talking about, he's talking about people using it to manage their spiritual pain, you right. know, the, the pain of living in capitalist society that, that, you know, o- responsible opiate usage actually can uh, can be a good tool for for pain management and can make it more bearable to to live. So I think that yeah, it's like I, I was thinking yesterday as I, as I was like preparing for this conversation uh, about uh, like just the experience of being a worker, like even outside of being like a communist and and all of those things, just like thinking about when I was working as a dispatcher in a trucking company, we, um, there were just the most reactionary shitheads working there. Like it was, it was just a nightmare every fucking day. And they were, you know, constantly joking about horrific things, including like sexual violence and and all of this crazy shit. And so I downloaded like a a boilerplate, like anti-harassment policy, like just like a normal, like here's how to have a workplace that isn't, horribly hostile to everyone and uh and i got called into the break room by the owner for that who screamed at me uh that god had sent me to work there so i would 
learn not to be so sensitive. And, Ooh, um, that's a crazy thing to say to someone. It was fucking crazy. And I mean, screaming at me like uh, other, I, I don't even, I guess I won't even repeat some of it because I don't want to like, I guess, distress <laughs> listeners. But, um, but like, uh, yeah, it was just, it was so interesting because I, it connected to another Marx passage that I was reading yesterday from the, uh, from the economic and philosophic manuscripts where he talks about uh, being reduced to a work machine and, right. and how the workers become spiritually depressed um, by this like process of being transformed into a, a machine for capitalism. Yeah. I think that, uh, I mean, as you were saying before, I think that this goes in a couple different directions, right? Like as you were saying before, I mean, to describe religion as the opiate of the masses in like a smug, condescending way completely misses the point that, as you say, like pain management is something that needs to happen when you're in pain and opiates are, you know, you can manage your pain with something that that dulls it a little bit or makes it places it in like a larger spiritual context. And then that said, like. I don't know. So many people of every other political persuasion use God and religion and spirituality as this cudgel, like to, mm-hmm. to beat up other people basically, and to right. force their viewpoints onto other people. And so it just seems to me a little bit short sighted for Marxists to say, you know, to see religion being used in this, this weaponized way. And to then turn around and say, like, I want no part of that. There's no place in my life for anything that's even remotely shaped like religion. And like, yeah, I get it. A lot of us have had really bad experiences with religion. But at the right. same time, it plays a massive role in almost everyone else's life. Like, I think that even if individual Marxists don't want to get religious on their own terms, it's still important to to sit with the the concept of religion and to really understand it before you decide that it's not for you. Well, right. And and even to be able to like engage with the questions that spirituality and religion are trying to address because right. yeah, like it's you said, the like, same everybody question. is like trying to figure those things out. And so like, we need to be able to at least like, even if we're not, you know, offering answer, like answers or, or some sort of like, you know, alternative spiritual framework to people like we we have to be able to like understand like why are why are people drawn to this what is and yeah even beyond that like for me like i said like to to be able to like uh, yeah manage pain i think is 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 the is the huge thing and the reason that i because i i i was you know very averse to to spiritual stuff for a long time um bad experiences with religion when i was younger and, um, and, you know, kind of didn't want to explore this. So I definitely understand where Marxists are coming from and like why people are averse to it as well. But I think you're right that like, it's, it's something that we have to at least talk about. We have to at least think about, um, regardless of what conclusions we come to like on a personal level. Yeah. I mean, Marxism is really good and really thorough at answering earthly questions. I think Mm -hmm. really good at, giving us as workers a framework for, you know, why we feel the way we feel about work and about our lives outside of the workplace, because the workplace just saps everything out of us. You know, we go home, there's nothing left. And it's a really useful way 
to look at your life strictly in those terms as a person who like wakes up in the morning, goes to bed at night, has a physical body, works in a workplace, all that good stuff. Like we need that framework. It's important. And mm-hmm. it's obviously very helpful. It's been helpful for a long time now. But I think that it's it's stubborn and again short-sighted to see how useful of a framework it is for earthly matters and to decide that's all that's needed. People have spent the entire time, ever since there have been people, people have been asking questions about like, why are we here? What is the point of all this? And I mean, for all that Marxism can tell us why we experience things the way we do, it can't answer those questions by itself. And I think it would be silly to just draw a veil over those questions and say they're not important because they can't be answered by Marxism alone. Right. Sort of piggybacking on that, I think that Marxism, it gives us, you know, th- the theory that we read, the, the socialist theory is going to tell us what needs to be done. Like in con- in pretty concrete terms, we can understand like the, the situation that we're living in and how to change it. But it doesn't help me to like, it doesn't give me the why or like right. the how do I get the fuck out of bed when my like I, my boss is screaming at me that like God sent me to work there so I wouldn't be so fucking sensitive you know like yeah like how do I function how do I get past that and then also like you know when we're organizing and we're you know I've had to like I've been surrounded by armed fascists on a number of occasions as have many people this summer. Um, through through the uprising and like the militias that are happening here uh, the militia movement that's happening here in virginia uh and so like when i go home from that and when i like need and then i need to go and do that type of work again and i need to like day after day be be engaged in the practice of marxism like how do i function how do i find you know peace and 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 meaning in between those things and right you know Yeah, one big danger of capitalism, obviously, is that it reduces us in all of our complexities to just bodies that can be used for labor. It reduces Mm. us to workers. And then Marxism answers the, the abuses of capitalism by saying, yes, we are workers. This is what that means. This is what, in a perfect world, it could mean. But at the end of the day, it's still answering the question of like, how do I reckon with my human existence with a lot of stuff about being a worker? Right. And what you're saying, and I agree with it wholeheartedly, is like, even in a perfect world, even in a perfect revolution, that's not going to be all that we are. We're going to need some kind of grounding beyond any understanding we can achieve of ourselves as workers. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I think, yeah, like I, I've been... Um, like one of the, I guess, spiritual practices that I've been trying to uh, implement on like a daily basis to just help ground myself and like center myself and not get lost in the anxious, like chaos of my brain is just going on daily walks and um, just trying to be really not be on my phone and and be really mindful and stuff like that. And I was just on a walk uh, about an hour ago. And as it's getting dark, you can see Jupiter and Saturn as they start to like, they're, they're coming to a conjunction on, on the, um, the solstice that they like, they're coming closer in the sky than they have since like the 1400s or something like that, which is like, to me, just super fucking cool. And it has nothing to do with Marxism or like 
communism or being a worker or anything like i'm just on my walk and i like see saturn and jupiter like getting closer each evening and like that just it it means something to me it, it makes it easier to like just to to be like okay like it's 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 worth waking up again tomorrow right and, and it's something that's so simple but i, I don't know it's 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 necessary, I guess. Yeah, no, I know what you mean. I mean, it's not even, this is to say nothing against the experience of going to church or synagogue or whatever, but you don't really need a building dedicated to your particular spiritual beliefs in order to like get something more out of being in the world. You know, you can like, mm. I don't know. I don't, I don't like to talk about this stuff the way that a poet would talk about this stuff. It's a terrible <laughs> thing to be a poet. <laughs> And I've been a poet my whole life, so I know. <laughs> but, um, but I mean, there's really something to the simple experience of being a person outside alone. And mm -hmm. I, I don't think anybody who's done it would argue with that. And I think a big part of leftists' uh, resistance to reckoning with spirituality is that it's it's very easy to conflate spirituality and like religions with great big buildings devoted to them mm -hmm. that take people's money and you know stuff like that like it, it becomes about the organization and i think we're missing a real opportunity when we look at things that way to just make an honest effort to understand that little part of ourselves that just wants to be a person standing outside alone you know <laughs> right yeah especially i think because like we have to make peace with the fact that those of us who are, even those of us who are like fully committed to this project of revolutionary communism, like we're likely not going to see the fruit of that right. ever, you yeah, know, in our lifetime. It's a matter of belief. Like we we're believing in something we can't see. Right. And, and I think also like, uh, and I guess this goes back to the name of this podcast uh, is like, if, if I'm not going to see the fruit of this in my lifetime, live in a, you know, I'm I'm not going to live in a decolonized like version of the United States like probably in my in my lifetime. How do I survive, you know, as a person in the meantime? How do I like find moments of pleasure if I like because if I'm just struggling all the time, if I'm just angry all the time, if I'm just an exploited worker all the time, right. then it's like I just don't want to be that all the fucking time. You know, yeah. like. It's an act of will in a lot of ways, I think. It's it's almost like, I don't know, I, this is going to sound cynical and I don't mean it to, but <laughs> when we put all this work into fostering and nurturing our spiritual beliefs, part of that process is, frankly, lying to ourselves or at the mm. very least massaging certain deeply unpleasant realities for ourselves. Like right. you say, if... All you do is sit there with your logic brain turned on and think to yourself, 2020 sucks. It's only going to get worse. Things are only going to get more brutal from here on out. You know, you're just going that, to, that's no way to live. Like thinking that 24-7 <laughs> right. is no way to have a brain. And to dial yourself into some spiritual practice it's an, a real act of willpower telling yourself, no, I'm not just going to sit here facing harsh facts all day long. I can't do it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah. And it's, it's such an important thing. And I, I think that a lot of us 
I don't know. I think I think the pandemic has uh, also like turned a lot of people to start thinking about these questions, though. Um, like I said, like I have had a lot of people, uh, you know, for we've we've talked a lot about uh, the Marxists who are, you know, potentially think that this is a stupid idea. But I think that, like I said, had a lot of people be like, oh, wow, this is so necessary and so important. And I think that a, like all of this time that people have where they can't go out and do things, uh, you know, and they, there's no there's like fewer distractions, I guess people are starting to realize that we have to really face these questions. The world has like really shifted in a, in a significant way. And I think that people's internal lives have shifted in a significant way along with it. I certainly feel that way about myself. I mean, I, I'm one of the very lucky people who has not had to like physically go into a workplace since the pandemic began. I know that's not true mm. of everybody and it completely sucks that our country just wouldn't get it together and pay people to stay home, but here we are. Right. But for the first few months of the pandemic, I still had a job and I, I was working from home. And I remember, you know, my boss would tell me to do the usual things that I would do for my job, which, you know, and nothing particularly offensive or awful, just boring job shit. <laughs> and I would feel this rage, like, I cannot even believe that you would ask me to help your clients make more money right now. <laughs> like, that should right. Be, you should frankly just be paying me my same paycheck to do nothing. Because right. the world is a living nightmare. And I just, it was like the impression was like I was sitting in an on fire building and she was still trying to get me to do stuff. And then, of course, I lost my job. And uh, that was in June. And ever since then, there, time has been expanding and contracting for me in mm. really weird ways like it's i frequently don't yeah. know what day of the week it is i'll forget what <laughs> month it is i'll forget that i like have a deadline that i really need to not blow because there's you know the entire right. structure of my life used to be about work right i lost that scaffolding and i just get sitting with myself and trying to come to a better understanding of myself as like part of a greater human project rather than as a person with a job. It's given me a much sounder, less painful structure, I think, yeah. other, other than just, you know, go to work, done at five. <laughs> right. Have you, um, like, are there spiritual practice, like daily spiritual practices or, you know, regular spiritual practices that you used to like that, that that have either developed since the pandemic or that you you know have done even since before yeah uh so one thing about my my spiritual background such as it is uh is that i i have never really been a religious person my whole life mm. and uh then in 2018 my dad died and he was very in tune with his spirituality, like meditated mm. every day for a really long time, had well into the time that he was in the hospital even. Wow. And uh, I, I had never been really all that attuned to that side of him, even though he and I were very close. Mm -hmm. But one of the things that I started to do just to try and like access his presence in my life a little bit was try and start meditating. Mm. And, uh, 
I, I have to say, I absolutely suck shit at it. <laughs> I always have. <laughs> I'm like the world's worst meditator. My little nose gets so itchy every time I try and like <laughs> sit down quietly in a place. But it's still, you know, even just the act of trying to sit quietly and unplug myself for a stretch of time every day has been so much more meaningful to me than I ever would have thought. And I, you know, it, it does make me feel like I'm, you know, a little girl again when my dad would try and show me how to meditate and I would keep <laughs> peeking out of my closed eyes, like waiting for him to be done because I was so bored. You know? Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. I, I do a lot of like, I, I like to meditate. Uh, like I said, I do my like daily walk, which is a very like meditative thing for me as well. And, but uh, you mentioning like being a kid, um, I have a four-year-old and uh, <laughs> he recently was on a stretch of like doing yoga, daily yoga. He found like this kid's yoga video or whatever. And every morning I would wake up and he was like, uh, just, you know, going through his, his yoga poses oh, at really four years old. <laughs> and yeah, it was just too adorable. Um, but it was just interesting, like how it seemed to, you know, and he's four, so he moves on to new things pretty quickly, but, but for, for you know, a solid week there, he was like, it was important to him. Like every day he's got to like do his yoga in the morning before he starts his day. And so it's just interesting, <laughs> like how even for kids, like it can, they can see that it means something, even if they're not going to be fully committed to it at their, you know, at, at that age. Yeah. I think that instinct towards some kind of like personally charged ritual, I think that kicks in pretty early. I mean, it's, and yeah. it's not even always something, you know, it's not always something as, as, easy to parse as prayer or meditation or toddler yoga, which is <laughs> so incredibly precious. I'm going to die. But like, you know, <laughs> when I was really little, I had this very particular way of brushing my teeth and my parents were just totally mystified by my shit. They would just, you know, watch <laughs> me and very obviously be thinking like, can you please be a normal person? <laughs> but, but like stuff like that. I mean, little kids, understand that it's meaningful to have a ritual even if they don't you know they're not going anywhere particularly deep with the meaning most of the time they're not you know doing their weird toothbrushing or whatever thinking why am i here <laughs> what does god expect of me right but the, right. the ritual alone is is just a charged process yeah yeah i'm trying to think if i had i was like as you were talking about that i was trying to think if i had things like that from when i was a kid and i think that the the first thing that came to mind i guess as it's december is just like the the ritual of christmas eve with my cousins like sleeping over at our grandmother's house and and like how like that had some mystery or power to it just because it was a thing that we always did you know just right. like the fact of it being like ritual i guess is just in general really powerful and it's really interesting to me like just like, why is that so, so meaningful to us? Why does it like, why can it be so powerful to have this just like thing that we repeat again and again? Yeah. So it, it's, it's interesting that kids, kids catch on to it. You said that you, you've been meditating. Do you have, do you, do you ever pray? I, I do sometimes. I'm, you know, it's so funny. I'm like thinking about it now. And I guess I internalized at some point the idea that there's like a correct way to pray and that I'm not doing mm. it. <laughs> I mean, for Jews in particular, you know, I'm, I'm <laughs> Jewish myself and we have right. 
there's a very specific way that you're supposed to pray. You do it at certain times of day. If you're a man and you you go to uh, to mincha at particular times of day and you have to have, I think, 10 other dudes with you and that's when you pray, there's, mm. there's a lot of circumstances that have to be just so in order for prayer <laughs> to happen. But also, I mean, my boss that I was just talking about, she was also Jewish and she would just like pray in between meetings at her desk. It was actually kind of cool. <laughs> mm, yeah. Yeah. No prayer. That's, it's an interesting topic for me, I guess. Um, just like I had a very hardcore, like evangelical um, context in my, mm-hmm. in my teenage years. And it was, it was horrible in so many fucking ways but um but it like there was a huge emphasis on prayer and on like the idea of being always in prayer like sort of like this like constant communion with with god and so that was something that it it also made it hard for me when i when i left spirituality and religion sort of behind altogether and then more recently started to come back to it and started to explore those things again it made it more difficult to kind of like it made me sort of hesitant to engage in, in those things just because it's, it's connected to like that shitty, like transphobic, homophobic, right. like really repressive structure that I was in. But I, I'm also like kind of finding that I'm glad that I developed that skill when I was younger. That's the skill of prayer and the skill totally, of like, yeah. um, just be like sort of entering that place in my head um, because it, I think has made it a lot easier now that I'm like doing this, do these meditative practices and things like that to, I don't know, just like enter that. I guess like people talk a lot about mindfulness now, yeah. you know, oh, I hate the word mindfulness. <laughs> but I know it's such like it, the word is like, it's like the so... corporate version of just prayer. <laughs> right. And, and it makes it, yeah, it makes it feel so sanitized and like takes all the mystery, I guess, out of it. Right. But, but, but that kind of like, space of just being present just like being here now like and all of this the stuff that's not right here right now like i'm not gonna worry about it all i'm not gonna like it's not gonna take up space in my brain right this second because there's no reason for it to and i can just i I don't know that's like been such a an important practice for me is just like returning to that space um oh i completely i mean it's absolutely a skill. It's a muscle that you have to work out just like any other. The ability to, even if it's not connected to some kind of spiritual practice, I think the ability to have that degree of control over your thoughts and your behavior is really uncommon. And I think that people who learn, who like grow up with some kind of religious framework, they tend to have an advantage over other people when it comes to that sort of thing. Because, I mean, I myself, like, to get mildly personal, <laughs> as I say, I did not grow up with religion. I didn't grow up, you know, with the praying at the specific times of day or the mm-hmm. really working to develop some kind of communion with God personally. And now, as an adult, I am downright dog shit at controlling my reactions <laughs> to my own thoughts. I just, like, one rogue thought can fuck me up for four days straight. Oh yeah. I mean, I I know that like really nobody has total control over it, but I do think that some kind of spiritual exercise is really helpful with developing with developing the ability to like lift a heavy thought and put it away for a while, even if it comes back. 
Yeah, it's like it's something about like becoming yeah, just more capable, I think. It's it's like about I guess it's a sort of it's a kind of growing up too of like where all of these things that used to overwhelm and these things that used to like yes, maybe send you spinning for 4 days straight like through practice over time now you can you, like you said lift you know, lift up a heavy thought and and put it in its place for now. And that's and it's also it's interesting because that's also not always like it's not always a pleasant thing. I was talking with a friend today, like about how there can also still like be a new kind of sadness with that. Like, because you almost want to still be able to like be overwhelmed by it. It feels like, Oh, now I'm just like, now I just like have to carry it around like right. in this neat little package. Um, and so I think that's the other thing that's interesting to me about it. Just because a lot of times when we talk about like, pursuing spiritual things i think sometimes people think that means that you're going to just feel good all the time you right. know like you, you're going to like figure out a way to just always feel great and that's not the case it's more about figuring out how to move through all of it right and i think that might be we just get so hung up on this idea of like is religion good is religion bad is it doing harm is it doing good and the reality is more complicated. I don't think that <laughs> words like good or bad or, you know, harm or good, I don't think that's really getting at what religion does when it's doing its stuff really well, which is to expand the believer's mind and to, right. I, I think that like, despite atheists grandstanding about it, I actually think it's in some ways easier to not believe in any of this stuff, right? To, mm. to strictly engage with things that you can see on terms of material reality. That takes right. away like a whole dimension of questioning and existing that, you know, is probably really comforting to take away. You know, it, it takes away a lot of fear. Right. And I think that if you insist on developing a spiritual practice, you're opening that door for yourself and forcing yourself to walk through it. You're not letting yourself off the hook that easy. And that's not to say that I think that atheists are just like flat out wrong and need to go right. fuck themselves. I just think that for some people, it's a way of not engaging. Right. Well, and I think that it's also like sometimes when atheists are, and I've, and I've been the, annoying atheists at, at one point too. Oh, totally. But, same. <laughs> but like, I think that also in the rejection of any sort of spiritual stuff, there's, you're, it's also sort of missing the point. It's like you, they're rejecting it on the basis that it's not like factual or, you know, objective. It's not right. something that we can all like, but it's like, that's not really, it's not trying to be, you right. know, like spirituality at its best is not attempting to like, answer those questions it's not attempting to tell you like the mechanics of of like subatomic particles it's attempting to like make it possible for you to navigate human life right. and like and navigate relationships together with other people and and your relationship with yourself and you know and re your relationship to your past and all of those things that are just so much more like you said in, in a lot of cases that are more messy right. um and and they like are a whole different dimension from just trying to interact with you know, the, the physical material world. Um, and I think that's why 
you know, when I'm talking shit about atheists right now, I'm really talking about your Bill Maher types. Like, <laughs> right, right. They, they're not just atheists, they're anti-theists. Like, they think right. that it's bad to believe in God. Right. And I think that there's this real disconnect that you're gesturing towards where atheists get upset and frustrated because they're like, how can you possibly believe that there's a God in the sky making rules and, and you know, stuff <laughs> like that. And the real, they're asking a question that really has no answer. A lot of people who engage with spirituality or religion, they don't do so because they believe like they're, they're right. doing so, as you say, in an effort to, to answer questions about like the interiority of humans for themselves. It's two different right. conversations. Right. It's not about, it's not a question of, is this factually true? It's a question of like, does this serve me in some way? Does right. this make life m more livable? Can I be in more harmony with myself and others and the universe itself? And, and that's something that's like, yeah, I, I guess like, I don't know how you go. I don't know how you get to be like as old as fucking Bill Maher <laughs> and still just be like such a dick about it and not such a dick. To, like, you know, it's incredible. Like, He's a grown man just acting <laughs> like a twelve-year-old boy watches too much South Park. Like, well, there's not a man in the sky. I'm like, I fucking know there's not. Get off my ass. Yeah, it's like who? That's it's nobody cares, man. Like, just like we're just trying to to figure out how to be, like to yeah. figure out how to, yeah, how to not suffer every moment <laughs> like which is a a huge feat <laughs> yeah i mean it really it requires a lot of work to be somebody who like i would say that for myself i am naturally inclined towards a degree of skepticism right and it's a lot of work for me to override that instinct for skepticism and try to engage with my inner self on like on meaningful terms without, you know, without having it say something about my religion or my beliefs. I'm just trying right. to understand why humans are the way that they are so that I can have a more comfortable interior life. Right. Yeah. I think also about like, um, I don't know why this even just came to my head. This is kind of like fucking random but uh i was just thinking about the video that goes around every now and then of fidel castro and he's like on the plane and the journalist is asking him like do you always wear that vest oh my and god like, i love what, that video. what vest <laughs> and like and fidel castro is like I, he like unbuttons his whole shirt to like show that he has no bulletproof vest he's like i have a moral vest um <laughs> and like I, I guess i was just thinking about fidel castro because like he sort of exudes this like he was so like cheerful and kind of like goofy a lot of the right. time like so we were talking about earlier like marxists who sort of reject spirituality and things like that and create like just engage with this really cynical like way of like oh i'm just like doing everything out of of anger and out of like being ex like i'm an exploited worker and that's like the only way that i see myself but like right. how do we how do we foster what like fidel called revolutionary optimism and he said a revolutionary is always an optimist and and never a pessimist and like i just want to like i want to be that kind of communist that that figures out how to like fight successfully as fidel did but also just like like be living all the time too you know like oh yeah it's a tall order it's a really tall order <laughs> Yeah, it's a huge... No, but I know what you mean. I mean, 
You see that quote all the time, right? About like, I'm a pessimist because of intelligence and an optimist because of will. And I think that's, you know, it's, it's a big act of generous willpower to say to yourself like, okay, the world's fucked. Things are really bad. (laughs) Right. I'm not going to let that distract me from the work that needs to be done to make them better. Like, I'm not going to be the guy who sees that things are fucked and just like sinks into a sinkhole of things are fuckedness and (laughs) refuses to come out. That doesn't serve anybody, including myself. And as tempting as it may be, like, it's, it's not the move. It's just not. And it certainly doesn't inspire like anybody to join your cause and like fight for a better world. You right. know, it's, it's just like come you gotta over to offer them something. You got to offer them some reason to be on your team. Right. And, and people, t- you know, sometimes people joke about it on Twitter about like how, Oh, I like, I'm a Marxist now. So I ruined parties and like, I'm a Marxist now. So like, I, I like Marx, now, now that I see what the world is like, I, I haven't been happy, you know, since I, since I became a communist or whatever. And it's like that, that shouldn't be like, that shouldn't right. like, I, like, I understand that. And I like also have ruined my fair share of parties are, <laughs> you know, like discussions about fucking Stalin or whatever, but like, uh, but like, we don't have to be joyless communists. We don't have to be like, yeah, I don't know. We just, we just don't have to be fucking miserable all the time. And like, I think we do have to be miserable some of the time. Yeah, we have to be like productively miserable. I think <laughs> you really got to pick your battles with your own internal sense of misery. To my mind. <laughs> exactly. And so like, yeah, I don't know. So I, I'm just interested to see like where this goes, um, like where this project goes in terms of like finding, f- just figuring out, yeah, how to like be effective, but not, not miserable while we're being effective i think it'll be really cool um to like to talk to a lot of different communists about this and get a lot of also a lot of people are going to know way more shit about this than i do i'm obviously not like i'm not like well versed in like academic shit somebody's going to come on here talking about i don't know some fancy philosophical words (laughs) that i don't know and that'll be great too and i'll (laughs) learn learn from all of that yeah i think it'll be interesting to get like a broad range of perspectives and just sort of like see where everybody's at with these these questions and these processes like uh, that's like really this is kind of like an excuse for me just to like call all my favorite twitter mutuals on the phone and like and <laughs> just chat. be like, like talk hey, to like, me about your religion now <laughs> <laughs> exactly like <laughs> if you invite them on a podcast they feel they feel more more important i guess so <laughs> i'm gonna use that tip for my own podcast i'm gonna make people feel important and sucker them <laughs> in and then ask them personal questions personal questions exactly on and then put it on the internet for all all to hear yeah exactly it's gonna be lit (laughs) (laughs) i really appreciate you uh coming on here was there any is there anything like any other sort of topics that you wanted to touch on topics i want to touch on or i don't know that's kind of a weird question i guess because i'm the one hosting the podcast but (laughs) anything that you've been like um thinking about like in terms of spirituality anything that you like i mean Um, honestly it's uh it's fairly new for me to have even as much of a spiritual relationship with myself as i do i think i've always been like very self-conscious about it and not wanting to 
alienate myself from like the cool atheists and shit and <laughs> not, not wanting to make myself a target for people who think it's stupid to believe in anything you know I've, I've, oh no i'm i'm fully in that in that anxiety like yeah right now like i'm like i'm like this is gonna but like but then i think about it and then i'm like who cares you know that's exactly right like and I, I don't know why i've even devoted as much energy as i have to like giving a shit whether people think that i'm doing something cringe or whatever like eh, don't <laughs> fuck yourself i'm the one who has to live with myself like mind your own right business. yeah like if it's especially if it's strangers on twitter like who which is who it's gonna be that's gonna like tell me how stupid this is and that's fine it probably is but like i, I just don't i just don't care you literally know? Like, never just... listen to what people on twitter say <laughs> i can't recommend highly enough just not listening to people on twitter because they're <laughs> stupid there are so many of them and they're all really dumb i'm so sorry twitter mutuals who are listening to this <laughs> but it's like kind of true yeah no i mean yeah it's a terrible like it's a terrible website it's a and <laughs> it's just and it yeah it creates like you we you sort of going back to the, something that you said at the beginning it, it creates this like false perception sometimes that like this is like the left or whatever but really totally, it's, yeah. it's not it's like a bunch of like really cynical pissed off people who've been looking at the screen too long and like need to drink some water and, yeah, and half the time that's and half the time that's me yeah. <laughs> um I always like, catch myself like suddenly in a really fucked up, terrible mood. And <laughs> then when I really think about it, it's because of something that happened on Twitter. And I'm just like, <laughs> how did I let that happen? Like, God, I don't, it's yeah. so, I mean, God, thinking about it, like Twitter and even just a phone in general is this <laughs> really silly ersatz spirituality device in itself. It's something that you think connects you. Mm. like the state of other humans and oh my god that car is not <laughs> happy outside my window but yeah your phone is like this stupid little device that you think connects you in a meaningful way to the thoughts of other humans and then when you step back from it you're just like wow so much of that was incredibly shallow and added nothing to my life and like right. I spend so much time on this fucking thing <laughs> Well, and like, and I think that you're right that it's kind of like it's sort of sold back to us in in place of a real like spiritual like life. We are sold like all this stuff that is right. you know supposed to be like, oh, here's a website for you to like connect with people, but really it's just strangers yelling at you. Right. <laughs> like, Nine times um, and I mean, I don't want to besmirch any of the friendships I've made on Twitter, <laughs> and there have been many. Sure, I, I've sure. met a lot of people that I'm really close to on there i met my boyfriend on twitter but like nice yeah right That's, don't don't tell reply guys that they need to not know that the reply guy to boyfriend pipeline is real but uh you know there's, there's real connections to be had for sure but you have to sure. sift through so much garbage and like painful garbage too it's not worth it a lot of the time yeah well and it's not worth it especially if you're not doing it in a like if you're not being intentional about it if you're not like you know paying attention to when like is it like am i getting pissed off about like like fucking tweets right now right. <laughs> like, do, I, do i need to be <laughs> yeah like it's completely optional and in fact a recreational activity to like <laughs> sit on your phone and upset yourself with the timeline and at any time you can put your phone away and immediately have a better day most of the time. <laughs> right. And like, you know, read a book or, or, or even just go stand outside alone. <laughs> like right. You, like we talked about before, like you can, 
literally put your phone down and go stand outside alone for 15, 20 minutes and just like not think about anything. It's amazing. Something that I've noticed recently, this is like the stupidest like stoner thought. So bear with me for a second. (laughs) But like time passes incredibly fast when I'm on my phone scrolling my Twitter timeline or whatever. Mm-hmm. And the same amount of time moves so much more slowly when I'm just like standing outside looking at the water, which I try and do mm. pretty frequently. Yeah. And like I kind of tried to interrogate why for myself. And because normally my answer to that question would be like, well, the thing that makes time feel like it's going faster, that's got to be the thing that I think is more fun. And that's why mm-hmm. it's going faster. But that's really not true. Right. And then I got to thinking and I was like, oh, it's because when I'm on my timeline, I'm absorbing like one new news item per (laughs) split second. And it's just, there's this incredible like freight train of information just running me over constantly when I'm on my fucking timeline. And when I'm just hanging out outside, like being a person outside, nothing can get to me. Nothing is happening to me. I'm not absorbing anything. I'm just like having a quiet moment. Right. Yeah. Just, yeah. Just being, just noticing yourself and the things around you. And like, and, and I think, uh, you know, like a lot of times when I do that, I also start to notice my feelings right? Like like stuff that I don't notice if I'm just scrolling Twitter, like for, however fucking long and like i'm not actually paying attention to what's going on inside of me i can't like address it as it comes up but if i take a moment to like okay like what is going on with me like am i feeling anxious today am i feeling like dissociated can i ground can i do some sort of grounding exercise and like sort of come come back down to earth and like yeah and it's it's like such simple stuff but it, it makes such a huge fucking difference it's like you have thoughts that you don't even realize you're thinking when you allow yourself to take that time to just be in your body like that you like you don't even know how you're feeling half the time unless you allow yourself that not you specifically but like a person (laughs) right well and and like i I think yeah you don't like I, i don't always notice what i'm feeling and sometimes i don't even notice like that i'm having thoughts that i should be challenging rather right. than accepting as truth <laughs> and you know so and if i can go oh wait a like i'm paying attention to what's going through my head like okay that is like just total fucking insecure bullshit <laughs> that has no basis in reality like i like i can challenge that i can speak back to that and say like no actually here is like the, the truth whether it's you know about like whatever you know like if you're worried that someone like is mad at you and like, there's no real basis. That's for- like 99 out of a hundred of the thoughts that I have is just, <laughs> is this person mad at me? <laughs> yeah. And like, and of course there's like usually no basis for it at all. It's just like this thought that like, won't let go. And if you're like, you know what? Like I don't have any reason to, to feed that thought right now. Like I can, right. I can be like, I, I, I've have all this wealth of information about like my relationship with this person. That, like everything is okay. And you know, like we have, and, and if something isn't okay, we'll address it. But like, I don't need to be dwelling on this. I don't need to be like letting this just like circle around in my brain while I ignore it and read some bullshit that somebody said on, on Twitter. Yeah. I think we're really 
just as a people, we are severely underestimating the toll that it takes on us to be learning new things every second of the day. That is mm. not the rate at which human minds were meant to receive <laughs> and understand information. Like we, we're supposed to have some time to sit with stuff once we hear it. And it just doesn't happen that way anymore. And I think that's at least partly responsible for the way that so many people are just totally disconnected from themselves anymore, myself included, I think, up until pretty recently. There's just, right. it almost feels selfish to engage with yourself on a really human level when there's so much shit on fire in the outside world all the time. Yeah, and it, and I think it's also like a problem of like, there's a, like, there comes a problem with it too, where it's hard, it's so hard to communicate that to other people because right. like a lot of people aren't, um, aren't in, if, if somebody isn't like trying to like find time to sit with themselves and to like engage with themselves spiritually, like, and, a, and you start talking about like, oh, well, you know, like I've had, like, th these are, these are the thoughts that I've been having about that. Or like, like it, it can just be, it can just be, be so difficult to connect with people, I guess, right. about, about spiritual things. And so then it also makes, makes me like, I guess, less likely to, to like want to engage with it because I feel like, I, I don't know, just like a, a fear of not being able to like, I don't even know where I'm going with this now. Just like a fear of not being able to connect with people, you know? No, of I not know what you mean. Like, yeah. I mean, you know. I, I have, it's really just the ego playing tricks on itself, I think. Cause I have that same, that same insecurity and I don't know. It's, I, it probably comes from a self-protective urge, but at the end of the mm. day, it's, there's also this real feeling of like, you're not going to meet me where I'm at. So why fucking bother? Yeah. I think that's, that's the other, the other part of that insecurity for me too, is like worrying about like, okay, if I like take the time to be with myself, like what if I find it's even worse than I thought in there, like it's <laughs> even, more, even more of a fucking mess than I, you know, I've been trying not to look for a while <laughs> and like, I'm kind of scared to look now. And like, what if, you know, that like, what if, what if, what if I have to do like really hard work, yeah, <laughs> like <right. laughs> more hard work than I've already done? You know? There's just so many reasons to fear, I guess, like engaging with yourself in that way. But in the end, it's like, you just have to, I don't know. I just, I'd like, I have to do it. The only way like out is through, I guess, like th through that um, process of, of getting to know yourself and, and figuring out what you need in order to wake up every day. I mean, to take it back to Marxism, I think that, or I, I would even ask people, like, how are you able to effectively organize with people if you aren't doing some version of that work on yourself? You know what I mean? Like, how, mm -hmm. if you're not in tune with yourself, I can't imagine that you're able to, to work meaningfully with other people. Mm. Yeah, no, that's a really good point. And I, and I think, you know, a lot of times we see like these interpersonal or I guess maybe not interpersonal, maybe interpersonal isn't the right word, but we see, you know, like problems happening within communist organizations right. and like uh, issues of, of like people not treating each other <laughs> correctly and, and, and of, of treating each other badly. And, but we never, we, we only try to answer that with like, with institutional answers and we don't right. really like 
think about like how do we develop like a culture of of like where we're thinking about working on ourselves and 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 supporting one another through like the process of of spiritual growth and engagement and like developing shared values about those things um if we're if if our whole if the only basis for our our organization together is like materialist political stuff then right. like how do we how do we expect to deal with those cultural problems um i don't know i don't know if what i'm saying is making any sense no it, it completely makes sense because i mean when you're organizing just the fact of the matter is that you are going to have shared goals as a lot of people that on a personal level you don't like <laughs> right right like that that happens every day you're going to have to do some shared work with people who rub you the wrong way in some way or people who like believe something very different from what you believe. Mm. And I mean, it's, it's hard to, to say what I'm saying in some kind of like hard and fast language. I think that's part right. of the problem too, is that issues of like spirituality and human connection, you pretty much always have to use this fuzzy language that you know, <laughs> right. it's hard to take seriously sometimes. But I think that the point still stands if you aren't pretty deeply in tune with yourself and if you aren't making an effort to really understand your fellow humans on that like human level, mm. it's going to be so much more painful than it needs to be to do that hard work with people that, you know, you otherwise don't like. Right. Yeah, no, that's, yeah, that's a, that's a good point. And I, the, when you talk about the fuzzy language that we have to use about this, that's something that's interesting too. And I actually think is like, uh, might be a, a feature rather than a bug in, in like dealing with spiritual issues because it requires us to take so much more time <laughs> to figure these things out. Right. Um, there's like, no formula. Like we, yeah. yeah. There's no like, okay, like let's just, here's a quick instructions and, and you're, and you're done with it. Like right. the whole point is to slow down, to, to take time to connect to you know be present and 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 be here now and you can't really you can't really move forward in 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 those ways until you slow down i guess sort of ironically yeah no i think that's absolutely right and i think that that's probably why so many of our people find it such a sticking point to be asked to to reckon with themselves as spiritual beings is like it's ultimately pretty easy to describe in comprehensible, simple to break down terms, something like, you know, a worker's alienation from the product of their labor. Mm -hmm. that, that's something with tangible pieces. It's almost like an equation. But to right. speak more, to speak concretely about how that alienation feels mm. is, I think, A, important because it's a real point of connection between workers of all different stripes and all different backgrounds and also be really hard. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. It is hard. It's, it's, it's really it, it, like, there's no precise way ab about it. I guess there's right. like, there's no, there's no precision. There's just like this uh, approximating, <laughs> I guess. And, and then you've, and then the other person that you're trying to connect with can sort of approximate and, and, and share their feelings. And like in that exchange, you can find some 
common ground and find some connection and 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 I guess maybe find a way to to trust each other in right. a political struggle, you know, for for common interests. Um, but but without that, yeah, it's just it, it's so difficult. It's difficult, and I think it probably it feels impersonal and alienating in its own way. Right. Yeah. That's and that's where it gets really messy. I think is when we start talking about like not just personal practices, but how do we like deal with spiritual questions together in right. in like a in, collaborative way, right? Like not forcing yeah. one person's beliefs on another. Yeah, it's that's that's where it gets really messy. And hopefully, like uh, hopefully, these conversations will be a place where we can. Ex- sort of explore some of those questions but awesome well i i really appreciate you doing this thank you so much for having me this was a great time yeah i um hopefully we'll have you